going. I mean, we we gradually made it now. Yeah, eventually I had third strike. <laughs> I used to do these a lot with my old channel. I had a little comics channel on YouTube. Yeah. And I used to do these a lot, but then I stopped doing it. Or well, they took it down. <laughs> so, oh, damn. Yeah. So I think it was Alan Moore's um, book on pornography. Because I would show books and then that, I think that had some porn in it. And they're like, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll, I'll wait for the day when they take me down. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it you're all right one day. Audio. That shit's all gone. I mean, some of it's backed up, but the amount of labor it would take to re-put that stuff up would be a nightmare. <laughs> So yeah, I went through a, a, a similar thing. Um, I think it was on, on Reddit um, where they did like live streams and I did like loads of them, like 300 of them. And then it was oh, just yeah. like, well, what am I going to do with all this data now? Because they turned off live streams. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, it's like, and, and backing that up is still kind of a nightmare. What am I going to pay to back up a bunch of reviews? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah, takes... So. I don't know. I've been just doing more. I've been trying to focus more on print stuff, like stuff that's actually physical. I don't know. I want to do less and less, less digital because now that's what everyone does. So <laughs> I guess I'm too much it of a lot of. <laughs> it is the trend. Yeah. Right, in that yeah. case, we'll, we'll, we'll get started. Adam, uh, yeah, welcome yeah. to Yoga Concrete Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome. As I say, you know, in the intro, we we it took us a few times to get here, but we got here eventually. That's... Yeah, yeah. Are you you're based here in in the U.S. Right? Uh, so I've been in the U.S. about a year now. So oh wow! Originally oh, okay. from the U.K., but well, based yeah. out in New Jersey. Oh, miss... <laughs> Did the move? You, do you miss having health care? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> like the things I uh, the things I miss. It's like yeah, no crumpets and healthcare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the crumpets you might need the healthcare. <laughs> no. That is true. Yeah. You based yeah. out in Arizona, is it? Yeah, yeah, Tucson. Yeah, Ugh, I'm still in the desert. I've been here at least twenty. 25 years at least yeah. i moved out here when i was really young yeah i went to high school out here so it's it's pretty much just home yeah i mean I've, yeah, I've, I where i lived previously i was there for 10 years so it's yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know i, th- I yeah, like yeah. i like two i think tucson is one of the best parts of arizona in a way that like well, I mean, it used to be <laughs> until everything changed since the pandemic. Everybody's come here because it was cheaper. So there's a huge right. influx of people from um, Cali and Phoenix because they were all told it's cheap here. Well, now it's all gone up. <laughs> so it's like the locals can't afford to live here. And then everything's just gone crazy. But yeah, like our rent um, doubled during the pandemic things like that you know, new owners so yeah, it was very tumultuous during that time like you know nothing like worrying if you're gonna have a home when <laughs> you know because the place sold i was like oh okay Is there, are you gonna find another buyer you know it's, like, it's just such a nightmare so 
but yeah, I mean, other than that, now we're kind of the new owners are pretty cool. So, and yeah, this place is where we've been forever. My kid um, was going to school down the street. So yeah, it's just been like, I know it's a quiet neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, it's a great place to make art. It's dry. <laughs> so paint dries fast, ink dries fast. <laughs> like no joke. Like when I do prints, everything dries immediately. Like I would hate to work in Florida. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that'd be sw- <laughs> just just swampy and wet waiting for everything to yeah. Dry. Yeah, you, you dry it outside. <laughs> yeah. It's quite strange. Like I, I come in just thinking about it just then. I mean I've I've interviewed um uh, Zine Star, which is in like Phoenix, Arizona. Um oh, yeah. And again, like it does seem like a lot of print comes out of that area of the US. I don't particularly yeah. know why, but yeah, I think it's because you're kind of like our our summers are the winter. Like right now, we're just hiding out. It's supposed right. to be 115 today or something. So like, I don't even go outside. 110, I think. Yeah. So like, I just hide out and draw and sweat. <laughs> like even like even AC or anything has trouble working. At a certain point, <laughs> yeah. it's just things hot. which keep you indoors. <laughs> yeah, so it's like our winter. So I realize I get a lot more work done in the uh, the actual winter out here because it's like most people's summer. Yeah, so I try to just hunker down and take naps during the day and work at night because I work from home already. So yeah, I just try to you kind of adjust to the season. Because you can't just go for a jog. I mean, it's it's ninety eight degrees at ten o'clock. That's <laughs> a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I live here. This place is hell. <laughs> it's so hot. You just get, like, just gone from. This is the great place to live. Too. I don't know why. I live here. <laughs> Wait a minute. Because <laughs> in summer, I get in denial. The winters are so killer, and then the summer comes. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but yeah that's what we've been doing just hide out in the the desert that's why I like i do the comic uh blood desert mm-hmm. and so it's really just a lot of the stuff i see around me like the desert and the mountains and um all the scenery all the cactus and shit it's all just stuff that i've seen on hikes and stuff that's where it all comes from uh, i figured I'd, I'd draw something that'd be easy to draw like i'm not sitting there drawing um uh, cities all day I didn't want to do, I want to do sci-fi, but not like Blade Runner sci-fi <laughs> where I'm stuck yeah. in a, yeah, drawing mountains or um, it's easier just to slap some mountains, you know, in the background. Yeah. I guess George Harriman lived out here and he did crazy cat. He lived oh, yeah. in Savannah. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of famous artists, Max Ernst, he was a surrealist painter. Yeah, yeah. He lived in uh, Sedona as well. And there was a publisher in, um, gets Prescott, they used to publish all the old newspaper strips, like more of the rare stuff. So yeah, I was thinking about going and exploring that, like seeing if there's anything left over of Harriman's legacy out there. I'm pretty sure he yeah. might've passed away in Arizona. So, and then, um, you know, you never know, there could be a warehouse full of those old <laughs> publishers that uh, there was a, it was literally a publisher in a small town. And they did mass publishing, like for um, reprints of like old Dick Tracy's and shit. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been thinking about doing this next year is kind of make pilgrimages out there, 
go up to Flagstaff and then check those places out to see if there's any remnants of their history in publishing, you know. I think it'd be cool. You never know. You find a treasure trove of uh, newspaper strips nobody wants. <laughs> you want to start to get into like storage walls of doing that kind of stuff, of just going to those places yeah, and yeah. buying units. Like, oh, you never know. They might have like had a house there. Some... Yeah. George Harriman's wife's or, you know, her kids are probably still living up there. You know, it's all probably public record. It'd be, it'd be easy to find out where you used to live and stuff. So I figured it'd be cool to maybe see his old house, just little weird, like comics, pilgrimages. <laughs> I don't know. The kids are getting older, so I can get out of the house now. <laughs> you can drag them along with you. Make it, yeah. Make yeah. Like, do it like Scooby-Doo style and just like grow a van and just like your kids <laughs> and go explore yeah. weird niche, niche publishing houses. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about. That's probably what me and my wife are going to end up doing once the kids move out, like maybe do conventions and then just like explore. I know I'd really like to see the museum and I think there's a museum in Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, for the cartoonist museum or something. And you can go look at pages there. I don't know. I think that'd be cool. But yeah, I think, I think we should, we should start off with like a, a simplish question though, uh, which is, is who are you and for people listening? Oh, um, I guess, uh, uh, I'm a dad. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm an artist and uh, like a self-publisher, comic book artist, painter, mm-hmm. um, printer. I, I like doing um, short, small run uh, artisanal printing, I guess it would be called. Like um, I worked with Risograph for a while. I work with home Risograph kits. Um, I do. I'm a sticker artist. I, I just do a million different things, but the comics is what I I do steadily full time, like the series Blood Desert. Um, I, I'm also known for a series called One Last Day. It's an underground comic where the the character died at the end of every and uh, on every page. So in some strange way, <laughs> for 139 pages <laughs> of single page strips, I did that for about 20 years, and then I also did a, a sci fi series for uh, called uh, World of Nonks. And it's like kind of like Smurfs fight robots. And I did that and then it compiled into a book. And then now, um, and that I just kind of, then I started like Blood Desert right at the same time as that series. And I kind of just left that series behind. And now I'm just, Blood Desert is my thing. I, I love doing it. It's, I don't know, it's a mix of all the crap culture that's in my brain and i just shove it on the page you know it's just every schlock uh splatter gore film or just weird post-apocalyptic movie that i could think of i want to put it all in there um like the ultra violence of american cinema i want to put that in there and, and like you know like 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 jokes, like dirty jokes. <laughs> like there's a lot of <laughs> weird dirty jokes in it like shit like that you know there's no um, I don't know. It's like, uh, there's no type in it. There's no, um, there's very few, uh, uh, dialogue balloons. It's mostly mm. the main character grunts or the, um, the other, uh, people in the story talk around him. So most of his journey is, um, so I started the main character out as like this, just random clone for an Amazon delivery company kind of, and then those clones go insane. And then they have to nuke all the cities with those clones in it. And then that's when uh, he gets, he escapes. And there's one left essentially of these clones roaming the desert here. 
where they were originally made. And he goes and, you know, faces his creator. It's a whole epic story of this one dude. But he develops as a um, kind of like a child. He starts out as like this child and then he, he ends up growing a beard. He ends up um, losing body parts <laughs> and like like he uh, and he ends up he slowly learns to talk. So he he doesn't speak throughout the first couple books, like the first, mm-hmm. I'd say, 10 in the series. And now he's um, using speech, uh, small words, you know, like, you know, he curses and grunts a lot. But when in the first, you know, 10 books, he just grunted. So I wanted to do a series where the character uh, develops as you read it. You know, like he he ages in the book, but he ages weirdly, you know, like he, he's like 200 years old. <laughs> You're like, wow, is he still? Yeah. So, so he like ages, but he ages at an extremely slow rate. So that's why the beard, he had like a hundred years. So I think like by like issue 50, he'll have a, he has a, a black beard now. I'll probably make it gray. So, and then I'll turn him, I'll make him older. I kind of want to make him old. And then I have an ending for the series. So um, the way I look at blood desert is more of um, like manga. Uh, I want to, I want to be, I I know it sounds egotistical, but I want to be considered the first um, American manga artist, (laughs) but where I don't really do the manga style, but I just completely adopted what they do there where you like how Dragon Ball has one through 80, you know, and you read the whole series and it's this whole epic tale. I'm doing the same exact thing with blood desert to where each issue is, um, short stories or part of this whole epic world like dragon ball is you know and it's it's world building it's all that and continual story um every issue is a different story or short stories related to the same world and then you get introduced to all the characters surrounding the main character it's pretty much all they used to do old cartoons or like um old yeah, television I was just thinking that. yeah mm-hmm. like it's it's like I don't think it's egotistical to say like that that's a one. I think that's a that's a good goal to kind of have. Like to be honest, I'm surprised yeah. you have an ending in mind. Oh because... yeah, I know exactly. I could tell you right now and ruin everything. No, <laughs> but no, I know <laughs> no, but I know exactly how he's gonna end and and there's like a little t- small tiny gag that I've been putting in maybe like every three books. And that tiny gag will end up being the end because I, I, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it coalesced to this final ending. And I don't know if that ending is going to be at 50 books or a hundred books. I'm at 30 right now. So I'm at this stage where I don't know what to do with the series. I feel like I have a lot more stories to tell. Like they're getting ready to build an airplane, <laughs> like do crazy shit with that. Like, cause it's, it's post-apocalyptic. So they're all starting from the ground up. Like in the later issues, they rob a train. Um, there's a cult of pig Satanists. <laughs> They're mutant pig Satanists and they run around and he, that's one of his mortal enemies. And um, there's also lepers that like uh, that. sew their body parts back together cause they're rotting. And he, those are some of his enemies. And then there's pus people that are all covered in boils from the, the nuclear bombs that hit <laughs> like, and so he like, these are all these little characters in that. And then he also meets people that like, um, that live in the desert. Like he meets a couple um, and they, he helps them get the, his, their kid back. And uh, like, there's, there's so many of these little sub stories as you follow him progress through this whole world. And I never thought I could actually build something like 
this big. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, I and I, I do tend to like lean on some of my other stories that I told in one last day to to create the new stories in this because <laughs> I already worked those out in comics form, so I can kind of expand on those ideas that I did in those earlier books. But yeah, what no, desert just become? Now I feel like it's it creates itself. Like he wants to do his thing. <laughs> I gave him a name. I gave him a name in issue thirty. So the whole time you're reading it, you don't even know this dude's name. <laughs> and then by you issue thirty, and now you do. Yeah, you don't. And then once you do, you're like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, like finally. And it's his spiritual journey to find his name. You know, realize that's his book. That book is his journey to figure out who he is in a way. I uh, like that idea, like um, putting elements like that. Yeah, just it's just something now I've just become obsessed with uh, seeing where he goes. I gave him a junkyard as his home base, and, and that Liddy just fell into that. I had these fly creatures he was fighting, and they just dumped him in the junkyard in one of the books. And I was like, oh, you know, I should... He, that's that's perfect. That's his home base. But now I got to draw a junkyard, you know, all the time. But but it works, you know. It, it actually worked out. And now, and I had this compound of these other dudes um, that uh, they kind of took over a town, and he was helping them. And in in the later books, they become more. I just call it the compound, where um, one of the guys is a stand up comic, which is silly, but like. Uh, he goes there and parties with them, and then they become more relevant in the later issues as well because uh, there's a mechanic there, and I'm going to give him a motorcycle. So, like, uh, some of the, um, like, adventures he has later are him getting parts for them. <laughs> you know, like, like you know, it, it, that's how I feel like it would be. It wouldn't be like... Like the apocalypse wouldn't be like all great. Like it'd be grim and weird, but it would be like, you need parts for your motorcycle. You know, like, can you get parts for my plane I'm building? <laughs> you might have them. So he goes to his place and brings parts back, you know, like, but shit happens while he's on that, that trail. So that's mm-hmm. how I write stories now. Yeah. It's more like, um, he's like, he's doing things and it just happens to him rather than he causes them to happen. That's yeah. interesting. Like, like the, a video yeah, yeah well, I, I was thinking it actually reminds me of like like role play games like D anD D, where it's like you know you, you there's a there's a standard story like within it, but to, yeah. for the most part, it's organically developing as it goes through, and things will become relevant or not become relevant as you go along. Yeah, you, exactly. You know, st- some stuff writes itself. I, I like the idea, like when you play like a Zelda or like a a Grand Theft, you can kind of run around and make things happen, and things are going to happen. And that's kind of what I want him to be, like the uh, third-person <laughs> um, uh, comic book, <laughs> where you kind of just follow him, go through this, and then stuff happens as you read the books. So you are learning about him just as like you would learn in a video game about the character you're playing. You're, oh, okay, well, he has a beard. Why does he have a beard in these, but he doesn't have them in this? So it makes you automatically want to go back and go, oh, well... Let me find out what that's about. And it's nothing. He just grows a beard. Because <laughs> like, I felt I got sick of drawing him, you know, like a certain way. <laughs> like, but I mean, it does. It adds layers to the story. It adds more. And like, and then the characters, um, I, I help out a comic shop in here in town. And he said something extremely insightful. I've been reading comics for like, like 40 years. And I never thought of this. He goes, all the best comic books are, um, uh, can be judged by their villains. 
which is a simple, this is one of the most simplest ideas. Like he said, think about it. He's like flash, really cool, crazy villains, Batman, it, all his awesome villains. Spider-Man has awesome villains. He has the sinister six. Batman has the rogues gallery, Joker, penguin, all these, they all have personalities of their own. They're all wild and cartoonish where Batman's the straight man. So like all these, I never realized that like all this, all these guys are only as cool. That's why like Superman's all right, but he's not as cool as Batman because he just doesn't have the, the, the level or depth of evil he has to face on a daily basis, I guess. That really intrigued me. And that's kind of how I've treated Blood Desert where the cast of characters around him are just as important as he is in a way. Where, um, but they are just filler for his journey. You know? So it's kind of it's like it's reminding me of, um, I guess, kind of like Mad Max in the sense of like you don't really yeah, know much about exactly. his main role until you're yeah. introduced and then you're like, oh, here's the rest of the world. There's, there's these and extra still, characters. After watching all those movies, you're still ambiguous who he is, yeah. really. You know, it's because you none of us really knows what happens after that first movie because like, he goes all the way from regular cop kind of to madman like so like none of us saw that journey <laughs> like so that's what i was saying i always like to like, see that journey where the guy becomes like you know the metal warrior <laughs> instead the of they always they just appear yeah yeah, yeah. See, they just appear awesome <laughs> like, oh that, how'd that happen is <laughs> that fear that one day they'll turn around and be like oh we're gonna do like a mad max prequel and we're, we're gonna do that in between journey i'm like don't do it just leave it ambiguous yeah. nobody cares oh no, yeah like, I, that's what makes it good is not knowing yeah you can make it up yourself <laughs> yeah it's like um i think that's really well done with um like coen brothers films where they just introduce yeah. a character and they don't explain them just like yeah. yeah this guy just exists yeah, I think that's, a, that's been lost in, in comics where you don't, and even in kind of television in that way, where you just don't have that, the, the character world building like you used to. Now it's more just filler. You know, let's do a three hour, three minute close up on somebody's face. It's like, it worked for Kubrick. It's not going to work for you. No, <laughs> it's because he no, was we Kubrick. No, slow pan. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, slow so. pan and a dramatic drone, like overturn track. And that's that's the whole film. <laughs> that's <laughs> everything they're putting into it. Yeah. So what would be some of your uh, favorite movies or cinema, would you say? Like, no, have you I mean, any that you enjoyed? It did. I mean, recently I haven't really watched much. Like, I I, I studied um, film and, and TV for like my my course ages ago, um, and I was always a big fan of like David Fincher's stuff. And okay, and I, I like Kubrick. Is is like I like his concepts. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's very much like up there as a as a you know, there's there's perfectionism, and then there's you know you can you can tone it down a little bit like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would become sterile if it's too. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I, I love anything stop motion and animation. Like my, my favorite film of all time is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I, that's funny. I just made the point recently to my, my kid that, like, that new Flash movie, I haven't seen it, but from what I've seen now, like, I don't know, like, Roger Rabbit looked better than that. Like, they're more Roger Rabbit than Roger Rabbit was. Like, modern movies are more animation than real. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, to me, is is before, it. like, even Roger Rabbit was, like, kind of, like, 
looked down upon in a way for doing that in a way like, oh, well, they're mixing. This is an amazing way they did it. But it was always kind of looked and it hasn't been done since really that that it's it's cool world or whatever, you know, like where you mix that animation in real life and it's cut and dry between the two. Like, oh, I know that's a cartoon character because he's walking across the street and he looks like a cartoon character. Well, now all the actors are just cartoon characters. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, no one's seen that, but it's all just CGI. Like, his whole suit. So, really, it's his face that is the character. It's beyond ridiculous. Imagine if, so imagine if you had full blown, like, Roger Rabbit, but just like the guy's face. Like, <laughs> that's where we're at. Like, it's, I mean, it's that's pretty a horrifying vision. <laughs> it's, it's, where it's what it is it's insane <laughs> okay, though, I, I watched, watched I, I, I think it was like a couple of months ago I, I I hadn't watched the Marvel like Endgame series or anything um, and yeah. I sat down and watched the whole thing and I, I think I messaged my friend who's a huge Marvel fan and I was just like dude it's just it's just uh, Tony Stark's face is just kind of floating it's so, everything else doesn't exist it's silly <laughs> yeah like no one sees through the silliness like, am I the only one going oh come on <laughs> what is this <laughs> like what am I watching here <laughs> yeah um, I don't know if you've seen it but there's um, Chip and Dale they did like a remake of Chip and Dale um, where they were like they did you know a, a modern film about the cartoon characters existing like post after no. their career um, oh, and they make neat. a there's a lot of great jokes in it where like one of them is um so the, between chip and dale one of them goes 3d and gets like oh, okay. the work done the plastic surgery to be a 3d animated character and the other <laughs> one stays 2d and this is like this great back and forth where they're just talking about the different processes animations have been through and how that's like part of their society oh, cool. and part of their culture and kind yeah, of like yeah, a yeah. Robert way um and it's just really well done. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. That's tight. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's just I feel like now we're we're all watching cartoons and we don't even know it. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like all the and what I noticed too was just think like this is the summer blockbuster and every single movie was a superhero movie. There was I don't think there was a single movie that wasn't and I make comics and I don't want to go see that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, man, no, it's I boring. Don't... Like, if you read those stories, why would you want to go see them? I don't know. And then it's like, I guess I could go see them. I'll see them when it's like streaming or something, but I don't know. And now, when you, if you've, I don't know if you've been to a theater recently, like, there's, there is no peak time because I'm kind of an agoraphobe. I don't want to go out and. I lost your audio, Adam. You may have viewed, or you may have disappeared. Can you hear me, Ed? Yeah, I can still hear you. Oh, you back? I think it's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So what I was saying is, um, uh, like in movie theaters, when you would go on opening day, you would you wouldn't be able to find a seat, and now you can. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. We can go to an empty theater. How are they staying open? And like, it's like, well, it's obvious the superhero experiment didn't work. Like, make a horror movie or something. I don't know. Like, it's so wild. Like, this is that's a problem. <laughs> to be honest, though, that's a problem I have with horror films. Like, I have like I I have enough trouble suspending disbelief with horror films anyway. And then mm-hmm. I go now, like you say, because you because you're very aware it's all 3D and like CG stuff. My brain oh, right, just clicks yeah. up and goes like, "There's nothing to be afraid of here." 
It's like some guy on a green oh, screen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I watch horror movies to be afraid, though, anymore. I watch no. them to... I don't know. I think I, I watch them to see... Um, I guess how far they go. I don't know. That's going to work. That's not, that's going to get either. I don't know. Like, uh, like to see, uh, like their take on that, you know, I think that's a, you gotta, you gotta, cause most of it's been done. <laughs> so no. I've seen some really good horror stuff. Like, um, I think it's called the dark song. That was really good. It's about, uh, it was a British movie. It was really good. Um, uh, but that was neat. It's, uh, She's like does magic and meets her guardian angel. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, the 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 lady hires some dude to um, teach her the spells, essentially to to do her medic magic. And she goes through all these horrible trials. He you know he tortures this girl into pretty much showing her how to do these spells to meet her guardian angel. And she does. It, the fucking movie's beautiful, man. And you could tell it was done on a kind of a low budget and stuff like that. Like that. That's the stuff that inspires me now. Is like cinema that takes, like, takes a new angle. Like I really like cult stuff. Like there hasn't been enough cult, <laughs> like cool, like people in cloaks. There was a good movement in the seventies, you know what I mean? But no one's really explored that, you know, like some really good, like satanic imagery. And for a while there, there's a whole bunch of movies like that, like last shift. And there's some really great cult, like, um, like creepy cult movies. And I, I like that, that like, I like when cinema goes through, um, phases, like when in Japan, they did splatter gore. For a while like their horror was all splatter gore i have all those movies <laughs> and it's like i don't even like the, the splatter gore doesn't shock me it's kind of silly but i like seeing the um the uh how those artists all start to interpret the same because they're all making the same shit they're like three different directors making splatter gore but it's they're all their little tweak on it so I like seeing how like one painter, you know, how he does his thing. And that's kind of how I look at movies. Indie movies is more like um, this guy has a chance to paint a painting and he's going to paint his painting. And some of the best movies are like first or second time directors because they're just like, oh, let me try this out. And it's some of the best results, I feel. But it's that's it's always better when they give people like the chance to do stuff just to see what they yeah. do. Um. I think you made an interesting point there where you were saying like um, essentially films with lower budgets tend to be more interesting these days to see how they've done things. And I don't think that's just films. I think that's, that applies kind of across the board. Um, My general interest in media, whether it's like comics or whether it's books or, you know, animation or anything like that, the stuff I'm drawn to is the stuff with lower budgets because the stuff with big budgets is so bland. Yeah, it's been through the boardroom or the HR department too many times. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah. So the really that so now you have this massive divide of almost like corporate created art owned and created, and then all of us. <laughs> like there's no real. There used to be a middle road where like Crumb could do greeting cards. Did you see what I'm saying? Like there could be inroads for artists like me to get into these things where now it's more, well, you might get an adult sim deal, but where that, you know, if you're lucky, that would be it. But like now the, the transgressive stuff 
is being completely ignored where it used to be co-opted like co i think they're they're stopping the co-opting there now they're just settling on remaking shit and and, and remaking the properties they have now um another thing yeah. i've noticed in cinema that's really i, I find kind of troublesome is i'm sure this is <laughs> it's my stupid conspiracy but i've noticed that they i watched a pun or not pun uh, a predator movie I think it was on Hulu, and it was called Predator. So they, they, I didn't know they remade Predator. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> so I mean, I was aware I, of it, but <laughs> they remade it, and it was a just a completely different movie, but with the exact same title. Now, why would a studio want to do that? You know why? Because let's say the original Predator movie has some really good deals on royalties or or arnold gets a fat check every time those movies are played on streaming services well couldn't we pay a bunch of our own actors make a shitty version of predator so when some dummy clicks it he just thinks oh it's just the, the predator movie and then they watch it and if you go by generational like with cults you know like the second generation in the cult doesn't know any better so they they're already fully you know, the parents might question it, but the kids won't. I think that's what the media is doing, where it's like, well, why would I watch the original Evil Dead movies if there's already Evil Dead, you know, in another Evil Dead? Like, it, it, it's mind-blowing. I couldn't figure out why are they all doing this? And it, I, it has to do money. I think it has to do with they don't want to keep those old contracts. They don't want to have to deal with um, sending the checks and and dealing with the royalties and all that. So we can cut all these people out, give all the new actors shitty deals, and then we take all the royalties. So then when people click Evil Dead, they click our new version of the Evil Dead instead of the old version of the Evil Dead. That's the, reason I, they, that's, that's the only like, thing I can um, think about. The, the, I mean, so I was reading recently uh, kind of about Disney's IPs, essentially. Um, and yeah. some of the reason they, they do... Like they've obviously they've had a big push to do live action versions of all our animated films, and like you say, like this makes no sense. People love the animated films; they still make yeah. money on the animated films. And it's literally there's like a royalty law where if they don't use the IP, it becomes public domain. Yeah, like so, with Watchmen has yeah, that. Like, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. Of so if they make a crappy Predator film, they put it out, they still retain Predator. And they don't have to think worry about anyone else it's coming along and like, oh, well, we can too. take it. I think it's also about ownership that now they can take this property that was once owned by some dude like me and go, well, that's not your predator. That's our predator. Do you see what I mean? Like, it's a whole, it's kind of gross and shitty. Like, it's really bad. And everyone's just cool with it it's just happening out from under all the artists and nobody i think is realizing what the re because everyone complains about the remakes but no one really looks at why they're doing it what 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 does the studio benefit from having 12 different versions of spider-man because so then that each studio's version they cash in on that click I, th I think it's it's because of streaming so now that's why you have all these remakes is because now we can dump this new Evil Dead, new Predator, new whatever, and dump it on streaming, and people will click those versions instead of bothering going looking for the. Oh, I'll just watch this stupid movie. You know what I mean? It's it's a whole it's that click culture where thing from like the the former SEO of it, like the search engine stuff of like if you like even yeah. if you make a, a Predator film which isn't Predator 
like content based at all. Like it's just completely like you say, completely different exactly. film. If you search Predator, you're going to get the most recent result. Yeah, and it'll be like, oh, this is your, you know, this is your romantic like, comedy. Or whatever, what we call it Predator. Oh, this must be, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be the Miramax story then. <laughs> no, that's that's horrible. <laughs> you can cut that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you gotta say that it's troublesome. Like, like yeah. we we know about like they do all the skeezy shit we know about, but that's the shit that's behind the board when that makes them money and keeps those IPs locked in. It's it's underhand. It's dirty. It's like it's not, and nothing's changed. It's kind of I don't it's, know. It's but, crazy as well. Like the law, laws can't keep up to like protect IPs. Either. No, so things just kind of get made and changed. And we've been seeing this like a lot recently with just everything kicking off. And like you say, like the whole other thing. And I I actually think it's interesting to look at it in like comparison to early Hollywood and how those studios set up all of these it's like massive walls to prevent anyone else who didn't have a studio from getting a film into a cinema. Right. And they had to break that and then get into like the seventies and eighties and like VHS broke that. And they were so against VHS because yeah, they were like, like they are no. screaming and then now look at them. You know, yeah. And it's, they're all, they yeah. love it. It's so, it's yeah. wild. Yeah, it's, but it's I think it's not again. helping them. Like streaming's bad for them, and they don't realize it. <laughs> and you see all the media companies dying; like they're all falling off the wayside. Everyone's getting, uh, you know, uh, absorbed. So you have all these conglomerates just fighting to stay alive. And then, so what happens? You'll have three channels: Disney. <laughs> like nobody wants that. So I think it, uh, this is a good time to be like a, a punk artist, like to make your own shit, put it out, and and push your own thing out there because people are going to find it because they just get so sick of the the cartoon drivel that's being pumped in in the pop culture media. I, I think that's why you're seeing all these killing films and movies and stuff coming out. It's because yeah. they're finally sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, it kind of, it kind of goes in cycles. And I mean, that, that was kind of the rebellion of like punk and underground comics to begin with, wasn't it? It's, it was like, yeah. oh, well, we're fed with the mass media empire. Yeah. What do I want to make? Well, I want to make a comic about turtles in the underground. I'm going to go do that. And then, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think where the, that thought takes me. The scariest thing would be the. I, I think I mentioned this before. Was the um, is artificial intelligence? I think that's what we were supposed to talk about. But leading into that, I feel like <laughs> AI is it is the perfect weapon for the corporation in a way. Like it's the perfect tool to finally eliminate the people who do this kind of work. The the work of creativity. It's always been a thorn in their side, whether it be creating logos creating you know designs for their machines i mean they've always had to pay people for this thing but now in a few years you won't have to so you'll have a whole subclass of creatives and professionals that are going to be phased out it's happening in comics there's already people doing using ai art to create comic covers so i mean and if you've ever been to a convention you know when photoshop came everyone was doing prints and selling that shit all the illegal IP. So now, you know, you've got a, an illegal IP generator. So now well, imagine what happens when IP artists hit the convention scene. So you're just going to have such a muddying of the water of, uh, Oh, well who made their bones and who just borrowed them? Like, or, you know, who is, who is, you know, 
you know, capitalizing once again on the backs of Kirby and all these poor artists and, and to, to see the lack of accountability with the tech companies, with what's happening with AI right now, it, it's highly disturbing. It, it's very troublesome. It's and I think that like the, you... the, the people that are, sorry, no, the people that are, should be the most afraid are people like uh, uh, tattooists and shit. Because they think they think uh, their jobs are secure, but I, I'd say they could be one of the first to go. I mean, because imagine a surgical arm that now has a tattoo gun on it, and that surgical arm is now attached to your computer, and your AI can download every single style ever shown on the internet and the world. And you want, you know, your Nike swoosh? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go into the AI machine who's clean, a hundred percent accurate. So, like, it's not a fantasy to think that in the next few years, these machines will take over these kind of jobs. And I think it's everyone's kind of myopic about it. They're all just, oh, well, it'll be fine. Well, you know, now we have, like, I think they thought the same thing about the atomic bomb. <laughs> like, they were trying to set the world, the atmosphere on fire. That was yeah. one of the goals to see if they could set the atmosphere on fire. <laughs> Do you think AI, the good intentions of AI are going to be any better than our radioactive world we created? <laughs> like, I don't know why the, the earth is heating up. I don't know. Maybe it was the 30 billion tons of nuclear weapons you fired in our atmosphere. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a hole in the ozone. You're lucky there's not a hole in the earth. AI is going to be just fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it's an interesting one. So, like, I was, I was talking to, again, talking to, like, a friend recently. So, like, you're saying, like, uh, so in that there's a recent Marvel show came out, um, Secret Invasion, where they used AI to create the intro. Oh yeah, I like, heard that. Yeah, the entire intro. And we were yeah. having this heated debate about it because obviously, from from my point of view, from an artist's point of view, I'm I'm sat there going, well, you know, I I have no problem with a tool, like you say, like Photoshop yeah. came in as a tool. Fine. It's the accountability which we want from it. It's, exactly. it's, there needs to be some level of accountability for it. And he made this argument of like, oh yeah, but it's not there yet. And I start, start saying, it's like, right. Well, it is. Remember when self-checkout ex- came in, like, existed? Yeah. And everyone was like, this won't replace people. This is stupid. They can never make it do it. And now we all use self-checkout because yeah. it's so much easier. Yeah. The the Michaels down the street fired everybody. <laughs> it's just, it's you just can just get rid of it, man. And it's, <laughs> so it's, it's very much like... Idea. You're in safe. You better start getting in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, in two years, I can easily see like a film script being entirely AI written mm-hmm. and like an animation brought out, which is entirely AI animated. Like, it's not well, that I feel, hard to believe. I've really been like, I really like, I, I really embraced the internet, social media as a tool, as an artist. And, and, and since I've been using it, since pretty much the internet started, there's really nothing good that the internet is created in a way it was really when you first look at the way the hippies looked at it it was supposed to be this tool for communication and that is one of the best things that's come for me is i can talk to artists in france right now i talk to south korean guys you know and and make stickers with them things like that that's fascinating to me and that's what the internet should have been pushed as a this world building one community device and when corporations got a hold of it, they just completely twisted it into this this horrible thing. Like, there's really there's no redeeming factors for AI. 
AI has created what? Cheaters with chat GPT. <laughs> it's created art thieves, IP thieves, copyright thieves. And it's like, so, and then uh, there's going to be so much more. It's going to create problems. Uh, now people want to want you to use it as for your, as a lawyer. Have you gotten those commercials? Yeah, <laughs> you see yeah. those? Yeah, lawyer yeah I'm going to be an AI lawyer. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, okay, so that, when is my AI doctor going to come in and diagnose me? Like, it's not far off. So like, what happens when you got people using chat GBT to become doctors? Mm-hmm. Like people don't think stuff like that. Like this is a highly kind of lethal thing that we're releasing into the ether. And we didn't really have any checks. And like, we didn't know what social media was going to do to people. Now we know. And we didn't know what you see. What I'm saying like all the screen time and all that the phones were going to do to people. And now we kind of know, but everyone's still like, Oh, fuck it. We keep, keep going i get the the human urge to keep going and keep pushing forward but to hear the tech guy in the in the lawyer the the ai lawyer commercial go you know ai will rule us all one day (laughs) you're not as well like you're saying that statement um, alone should be protested like They all say we that all too. know it's coming. Like, let's just accept the, it. Yeah, they all are just like, oh well, you might as well embrace your computer overlords. I don't know why you guys are yeah. all bitching. Yeah, <laughs> don't fight it. <laughs> I don't. It's funny that, it. like, like uh, I was, so, I did a bit of like looking up because I was like, you know, looking at say I intro and thinking, you know, like I mean, what you're saying, like tattoos and stuff like that, that already exists. Yeah. You can get a free right. 3D printed like arm tattoo or whatever um just not to like the scale you want but um i was kind of doing research on like what corporations are doing and what they're going to do and like i was saying like i think two years from now we'll see a film which will be entirely ai written entirely ai animated but this is actually there is precedent for it as well with a corporation i think it was like 2016 or whatever it was there was a there was an ai rapper <laughs> got signed to a record label. And oh wow! He was he was he was called like FN Mecca, and he was AI generated. His lyrics were all AI generated, and the voice was AI generated. And they signed him. He was the creation of someone, and they dropped yeah. him within like three months because <laughs> the backlash against the basically a stereotype which he had become as an AI character was oh, so wow. bad and it opened up all this conversation like we talk about ips and we talk about like yeah. it work and stuff being stolen and it's like well what, at what point are you are you necessarily stealing like culture but also you're you're basing your culture on what's online and online is so heavily yeah. skewed that you're actually like you're stealing identities but you're only stealing the identities of things which get the most plays on the internet which is cliches yes so, yeah uh, um, quick satisfaction the, <laughs> yeah, now this you know it's like it never goes away it's a it's a thing television using but we no one's really studying the bridge between our our minds going from the the book the tv mm-hmm. to the phone like the phone is now everyone's television the phone is i've been watching movies on the big screen now it's like <laughs> like i forgot like i'll rewatch a movie that i saw on my i didn't realize i watched before bed or something watched on yeah. my phone i'm like like the movie kind of sucked, but then when I saw on the big screen, well, that's beautiful. So th- there's a there's a loss there that the artistic integrity is losing. So when you have corporations that just don't care and they don't want to care, I mean, what are we going to have? It's going to be digital mud. 
we're gonna all end up with like i don't know like maybe someone could start a new internet <laughs> i think it, it's gonna get to that point like i think it's it's a it seems like a crazy thing to say because obviously we've only ever had one internet. like we've only ever had one in there we've only had like one way of consuming media in this way now for the last you know 20 yeah. years or so i think I, I, like it, it may be mildly optimistic of me to think about humanity in this way, um, and I'm a fairly cynical person to be to begin with. But it's like <laughs> I think it, if we create such a beige environment of content media, like you say, the mud of just culture yeah. and whatever corporations want to produce, humans will get bored. Yeah, that's what's happening. Boring. That's why you my know, series we, is successful. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> really you, you so. get bored, we get bored, but like <laughs> the general public as well, the people who don't yeah. generally live in art, they're going to get bored and they're going to turn to stuff which is just away from that, which creates yeah. a second layer. Because, okay, well, you know, Internet 2 is great. It's just full of indie stuff. Right. Yeah. We, See, we I think that's what's happened. And, and then Zuckerberg buys it and ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we do it again. <laughs> yeah, the cycle just, of humanity. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think it, but AI is one of the more disturbing things I'd say that I see, uh, at least affecting the art world and just how readily it's being embraced. I mean, people don't even think like, um, I watch podcasts where they do AI voices in this, in the super chats that's fucking crazy man i mean so that blurs the line where you could get anyone to say anything so i could get the president to say anything tomorrow just by playing around on my computer that's i mean at that point don't you just question everything you see online (laughs) i mean how do you go buying okay i believe that like i just i truly i don't believe much anything i see online unless it's I mean, I, you really can't. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they could all be dead. All our world leaders could be dead, and we wouldn't even know it. They could just be running old footage and new AI chats. Like, this is what disturbs me as well. Like, people, people talk about like, these programs where they're saying, oh, you know, oh, so like AI voices, they need, oh, well, they need, they need so much of your recording. And I'm like, I run a fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there there's, is there's Joe Rogan one content. that sounds just like him. And yeah, there's obscure. Like, you know, the, the podcast I listen to, he's fairly obscure. And they do voices of the more obscure people that, that he covers. So yeah. and, and their voices are pretty spot on. So if you've only you only need a few hours of material before, you can pretty much clone what perfectly what someone's gonna say. And I don't know, that I find that highly disturbing. And then <laughs> someone films their kids and they put it on YouTube. And yeah. then within a few moments, you could have a fake kid online. And, right. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I, I don't know. I, they graze the area. They say it blurs the AI blurs the area where of reality. Like, truly, if you believe in assimilation, that would be it because that's, that's producing stuff that, I mean, was not even dreamed of when I was in my 20s. And yeah. that's crazy that it's it's been this amount of time that um i remember in a speech clinton said that human uh humans like people like us uh our generation um he said like the boomers experience a rate of change it's called a rate of uh innovation and change so every something cool would happen like every 10 years for them like the car like and it would change their lives and make it better he's all but the generation from the 90s and 2000s um, it was every 20 seconds. Yeah. So the boomers went from like 
20 years and we went and now it's probably two minutes just simply where something is invented that can change and benefit your life in a way that makes it easier, more convenient, like email or, you know, email goes to instant messaging, no longer emails kind of irrelevant, not instant messaging. And that that's in seconds. So you have to keep up as a human, you have to keep up on that rate of change or you're just gonna be lost. So with AI is something we can't keep up with. So, <laughs> so, so like, so we got to do, we got to start saying, are we going to let these autonomous machines be autonomous and do their own thing and let them have their own internet? And so maybe we should have an internet of humans and an internet of robots. You know, maybe that's an idea that people should be thinking of where the AI and the robots get their internet and we have our safe space where it's humans only. Like, because look at Twitter. Segregation. Like, I fucking hate it. Twitter is all those thought bots. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's every freaking, yeah. And, and it's funny is they fixed it. They fixed it for a little while. I didn't get any thought yeah. bots in there in my messages for months. And then they just slowly come back. So that's how pervasive those programs are in the AI and everything. So you can easily, they could easily rebuild a new internet without all that shit and make it more like, I don't know, go back to dialogue. Because they won that bus <laughs> to sell you things. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, she could still sell me, but just don't. <laughs> like, I don't want to be harassed. In reality, they want to remove, they don't, they like, we, we say they want to remove us and they want to remove, you know, creators from the process of production. Like, so they don't have to pay. Yeah. Like you don't need a human rights lawyer if you don't have any humans involved in the process. But in reality, right. they also want to remove the audience. Like right. they don't <laughs> they want, want an audience. They just want the money from the audience. Yes. So oh, at some point, we as like almost an audience have to say, I don't want this anymore. And that's what's happening. You see it in the theaters. People are just like, this is stupid. I'm watching freaking a cartoon. Like I, if I want to watch a cartoon, I'll go see cartoons, and they do. But it's like you now the line between reality and cartoon is so blurred in modern cinema that, yeah. like, the, the only good stuff is like real human journey stories and stuff. Yeah, it goes it's back to like seventy. Yeah. So, sorry, are you saying? Oh no, what were you saying? Yeah, I was just gonna say it's interesting. It's like it's, I think it's it's one of those weird points that when you speak to people about like what they consume what they watch, what they listen to. And they, they're always like, yeah, it's all bland. It all sounds the same. And, but they also feel kind of powerless to it. Yes. And they, yeah. they forget that what they're watching informs what's get, what gets created. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's why I, I support the shit I like. Exactly. That's so, that's very insightful. Like, like I go to a lot of indie metal shows because that's what I want to see more of is more indie metal. Like, you know, I want to see more uh, extreme metal. I want to see it more in the media. I want to see, we have yet to see a movie with nothing but a full metal soundtrack. Like every song, like a, a thrash song, a doom song, and a, a grindcore song, a black metal song where the whole movie is nothing but metal. You know, that's a, that's the kind of movie I want to make. Like stuff like that. People don't think in those kind of levels where, there's so much of this amazing art that is being produced. It's being ignored. You can easily co-opt it and make good money and still be creating awesome art with it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's funny. Like um, the movie, the sadness, I think it's from Indonesia or, or um, um, I think it's Taiwan actually, but that movie is just so intense. It recently came out. It was on shutter. 
but it's, yeah, it's it's just such a fucked up movie, and it's like, and it it's pretty much gotten some mainstream appeal where people you know here are seeing it, and so that kind of extreme cinema can have its chance. And at the end of the movie, um, uh, spoiler alert, but um, it's right really, but right at the very end, it's a very uh, extreme close up of like pure maniacal violence, and it cuts to a, a extremely fast grindcore song. So it's like. And it works so well. Like I, I just don't think we're the cinema and artists and with the, the, the corporate dampers, you know, they, they don't want a, a mayhem song in a movie. They don't want that kind of shit where you have, why aren't we buying the paying for the rights for those songs and put those in movies like yeah. pay for Slayer to be in your movie. It's, it's, it's really bonkers to think of all the amazing art that's out there. That's not being co-opted. And they're they're redoing Evil Dead again, like or they're redoing this again. It's like, well, they could easily spend a million for a thousand projects, and ten of those might take off. Why don't they do that? Why don't they? Why isn't there thinkers in the studios like me where they go, okay, we're wasting our monies on a hundred million a year on these fucking giant cartoon turds. <laughs> let's let's take that cash and give it to some real artists and make some cool shit. It's, it's because it's such a corporate culture. It's so ingrained, like the HR department controls everything. And you just, you can't get the creative mind into those places. It's, it's sad. As well, like, <laughs> there's, a, there's another side to that as well, which is like, I think like you were saying, kind of like the whole metal genre of music and, and why movies don't use it. And I think there's actually like a, a weird social thing here where it's like, okay, mm-hmm we can't use work from people who are part of alternative culture because people who are part of alternative culture are so suspicious of big studios stealing their work. They're really protective of their IPs, which rolls back into what we were saying earlier on. It's like you get hold of something and the studio comes along and says, oh, we want to use your song in our film. If you t- said that to a metal band, the metal band would probably be like, okay, cool. Well, you're going to pay us this, this, this. We're going to retain the rights to everything. Yeah, that's fine. And you, what solves you the like problem? You're talking about, Popeyes, right. They'd never do it. Like, they'd just be like, right. yeah, sign it. Fuck it. <laughs> but that's just right. But I'm saying that's the point I make is pay them then. Then pay yeah. them what you would the 17 year old pop artist. You get what I'm saying? Like, or a quarter or even a small minuscule decimal point of what you would pay the thought that's on stage or the you know the, the kid they they're whoring out on stage like why don't you give it's it's insane i don't care who you are but if someone throws a couple million dollars at you to use your song you're gonna be like oh i might have to think about that you know it's, they don't that's why it's like exactly you're exactly right they're suspicious because they don't give a fuck. They go in there and they go, oh, okay, um, Behemoth, we'll give you a, a grand for one of these songs. He's like, I worked for 25 years to build this legendary catalog, and you want to give me, you know, a hundred bucks to put it in your massive movie? See, it's it's that's why there's no respect for corporate culture because when they do adopt it, it, it they do it like they did punk, 
and they just create their corporate version of it. So I think you're right. I think a lot of artists are leery. But with the internet age, I don't know. I think a lot of that's changed, and I think a lot of people would would like that paycheck. <laughs> like they would rather be able to work comfortably and have you know money instead of eating TV dinners and touring and playing shitty clubs. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a definite benefit to the corporate hand, but it, I think it could be done right. It could be done well. And it could be done smartly to where a lot of artists do really well. They could change an artist's life with a hundred grand. You know, they could literally change his life with a few hundred grand. And and that's like catering to them. So you see, I'm saying, how come there's no like accountability in that way? Like there should be creative accountability. What are we wasting our money on? Why don't we pull that and find something that's like, I could give you 20 directors tomorrow that I would give a hundred grand to, you know, I, just like that, just because mm-hmm. like on their precedent and their work of loan, it's like, this guy's fucking awesome. He's going to use it to make another awesome movie. And there, I just, it's so crazy to me that there's nobody in the studios thinking this. And Cause that's what happened, right? That's what like the seventies revolution was because of that. Everybody was sick of all the garbage they were churning out. And then you've got all these great indie films. Glass house on the left, all that shit. Yeah, like you're saying, like it's it's. I I almost feel like the onus now sort of shifts. So like, because I like I've written off studios. Like I'm just like you know fucking Disney, Paramount, whatever they're gonna do. They're not they're not gonna bend because why would you bend when you can just beat the same dead horse and get hundred million out of it? Like you're gonna do that time and time again until you 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 know you expire. but I think the onus kind of slips to, right, so if you have all those studios and those studios, uh, as they say, too big to fail, mm-hmm. you have to shift it and go, okay, right. So why aren't people who, like you say, put in 25 years of work to make a huge back catalog, have all the money, all the houses, basically just living off their royalties at the point, why aren't they forming studios and funding small things? And it's right, it's the same token, yeah. Or actors yeah. could do it, and I know some actors yeah. do actually, yeah. like the forest. Like, like you say, like, yeah, like the yeah. 70s as well was yeah. full, of, full of just like mystery benefactors, like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you two million. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something's changed in the art patron world where they're like, well, just fend for yourself, motherfuckers, <laughs> and then when we can get something, we'll take it from you. <laughs> like, well, that's, did mobsters take over? <laughs> like, oh, maybe, uh. <laughs> I think it's maybe, yeah, I think did. it's just probably fear. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah. it's fear as well. Like, I think a lot of like big eyes to have looked at it and they've seen, you know, like we see, we see eyes from like the 60s and the 50s who ended up destitute. And I think they saw that and they saw like a lot of documentaries, obviously, it came out in the last 20 years of like, oh, yeah, do you remember this guy who made this huge song? Yeah, he died poor and alone. And they're like, oh, shit. Like, Like, fuck everybody else. Fend for yourself. (laughs) No one's adopted the model of the Japanese. Why do you think anime is so popular? It's because it's long running. It's it's epic. It's 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 entertaining. And it's really, there's not much there. You know what I'm saying? There's not a lot to like, it's, you don't have to sit there and like contemplate your existence while watching Jekyll Z. It's fun. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, it's a different form of entertainment. And I think they're trying to do that with superheroes and they just failed miserably. So now they're just left with, oh, what do we do now? And it's like, well, yeah, put your money somewhere else. Put, uh, put your money where, you know, it could help a lot of people. It could help a shit ton of creatives. I know t- thousands of people that are chomping at the bit to get their ideas and they're actually qualified artists, you know, you know, put 
put the machine behind them instead of putting the machine. But I just, it's, it's, it's totally a pipe dream because you see it with the remakes. It's like, we'll just keep re- remaking these movies so we don't have to pay these other artists. So it's like, we're trying to push the artists out as much as possible so that we can keep commodifying what little we have left because we fucked over everybody. It's like, well, how about, what if one of these dudes at these major studios just said, all right, this is it. We're going to, we're going to focus on our main shit and we're just going to pump money into their lower stuff, a little indie stuff. We're going to create a whole new indie factory. Look what Miramax did. I just don't get it where there's, it's just been lost. And I think I remember like Blair, Witch. Like Blair, Witch made billions for the studios and they, I think they paid 20 grand to make that stupid movie. <laughs> so they don't know what money they could put out and they don't know what hit they might have next. So, but and so that's what I'm saying. Your, your odds are better at the casino if he's playing a bunch of slots because he's, they're doing different. Uh, they're putting more eggs into the basket. It's, it's this whole idea of putting all your money into one flash movie and praying it makes it. That just seems ridiculous. Ridiculous. Why wouldn't you want to just put like a million, 10 ways? There's 10 million. That's not even close to what you're spending on that garbage. And you just made 10 movies. One of those has got to stick, flood the theaters with them. Like, you know, there should be different movie. There should be 20 different movies playing in the theater, 30 or 40. You know, it should be, you should, we should have a glut of choice in the theaters like we do on streaming. They could do that. Remember the old movie houses used to do four or five movies a day, like the the schlock films. Like the that's how Roger Corman got made. Like was because of the schlock. Like because you were running fifty movies a day. Just that's what I see the future of cinema being, and like in um, theater is that's what's going to happen. All these theaters are going to close, and some dude like me is going to buy it, and he's going to run all this sh- this smut, and all this that's shitty, this crazy shit. Like. <laughs> It's almost like we're sat waiting for the bubble to burst. Like we, you know, we know it's coming at some point. Yeah. They're gonna realize they I can't like make money this way anymore. It's either like, or, like either they they conquer us all with AI and robots, or we all win and just be, become a nation of like uh, I don't know, like art fair workers. It's like even, even if they even if they win with AI and they slap VR on everyone and everyone's kind of sitting there, there's going to be a subsection of people who just aren't wearing headsets. And you yeah, know, we'll have exactly. little tables at craft yeah. fairs, and we'll show, we, you yeah. know, we'll do zines, and we'll do comics, and have our own yeah. studios. And I'll just, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's still, and I think it's more vibrant than ever. There's, there's more creators than I. At least I see them now, where before I couldn't see them. Like you know, you know, Paul. I met Paul through Instagram, and it's like it's just now it's created that where there's more. So now that it's neat because the artists are more united than ever. Like we've, we're, people are working together more. More artists are working together internationally and nationally. So I think it's good time if you were gonna like fight against AI would be now, like or or if you were gonna like finally make a stand and say, hey, I don't want my art used for this. And if you do, I'm gonna sue you. <laughs> then maybe if enough of us say that, then they'll go, okay, all right, we won't. You know, like tomorrow, Frazetta should sue every single AI company that's AI art company because every single one of those AI in it those AI paintings are borrowing from his style. And that right there is a case alone. So if you get thousands of artists coming in, so maybe you could slow it down a little, but art uh, just, I just feel like that's the catalyst, like the voices, 
those little things become the catalyst before we have an AI president, you know, or, you know my AI governor <laughs> that only yeah. that only gets the Bible read to him every day. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's it's yeah, like you say, it's 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 a, it's an interesting time to be making things. I used because, like, yeah, it's. It's, I used to think it was crazy. Like it couldn't happen. Like I would never even have these thoughts 20 years ago. And I was watching the, the first Star Trek movie. I'd never seen it. And um, I was shocked because they, they kind of talk about that. It's like the Voyager craft gets lost and then adopted by some AI machine and turns it into a being. <laughs> so it's like, I was like back then, probably in the 80s, I was like, whoa, that would, that would have been so next level fantasy. And now looking at that, I'm like, eh, that could probably happen about next week, you know, in a few months. We'll I think Voyager might come back to try and kill us all. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's like, that's how far we've progressed in my lifetime, you know, that I've seen that, you know, you can literally just make a president do and say whatever you want. <laughs> and that used to be the thing of movies. And it cost, it, you had a budget. Now you can just be some troll in your basement that doesn't like you. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, but also very scary. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, like I say, it's, it's awesome, kind of scary time. But like, yeah, it's it's one of those things of I, I think, like you're saying, it's artists are more kind of communicative with one another now. I think I almost feel like we got a little lazy and we got a little complacent because like, oh, social media, this is really going to help. Like, this means I don't have to go staple posters to fucking telephone calls 20 weeks in the row um i can exactly. just put it all in one place and then obviously corporations ruin that um and so now it's like you have to look for it and why i, I like i share so much and kind of reach out to, to people and say hey do you want to chat because it's that's become the value again of just showing each other stuff like yeah. cool stuff you find like oh hey i found this comic look yeah at it, look at it for a bit yeah and then um, yeah there, there's a great book um that called amusing ourselves to death i think it'd be yeah. a good way to end it it's uh and that's what he talks about is is um uh orating like how lincoln would do four like 12 hour speeches him and his rival and people would literally sit through the whole speech and sit there and watch um orators uh talk for hours and hours on end and this was before television and books were very popular and now i i do see that we're slowly that's why really one of the reasons i think Joe Rogan is popular is because of the long form because he does such a long form podcast. It triggers in some old thing that we had when we used to all sit down and watch these politicians for hours and on end pontificate about God knows what, <laughs> you know, like they, this was a common practice back then. So like, and we've lost that and TV took that away, went from the soundbite. And I think the podcast is the new radio that turned it back. So it, we're literally going backwards in our entertainment. And because podcasting is more of an older form of an entertainment in a way this, you sit on your pulpit and you talk for eight hours um, before that was, you couldn't do that on television. It was, a, you were stuck with an, an hour um, or two to say your point. And that's what his point was, but you can't trust anything on television in the book is because you're not getting the, uh, you can't boil down uh, a physics conversation in 30 minutes. <laughs> He's saying like a, a real conversation on something like that. It's going to take hours and hours to really get you to grasp the concept. These guys trying to throw at you. And now you have that. So it, it's cool that, that that's, but it's also like, <laughs> 
The problem is, is now the dummies have it. <laughs> like, like I think he would have loved podcasting the writer of that book, but he would have been sad because now it's all this like stupid science that's being talked about for nine hours. It's not like yeah. how we can better each other as humans or what we could do as mankind. It's no, we're not like you know, what Abraham and Lincoln and all them were probably doing is talking pontificating about you know the future of the union or whatever. You know these really bold statements and they're talking about you know now we talk about flat earth or whatever so it's like like so the internet we created this amazing so now i think like like podcasts like yours where the people actually sit and talk about things like mm-hmm. that are important to them are, are are some of the more popular things right now because of that because you're triggering into this old way of uh orating and listening to someone go on for hours about their ideas where you know and so that's, I think, the pushback. So things like podcasts and art and things like that are the pushback to this digital onslaught of um, uh, uh, brain-numbing, you know, constant swiping and just constant liking and all that shit. It becomes, oh, i got to sit down and listen to this dumb Jimbro wax for, for, for four yeah. hours about <laughs> this weird breathing machine he's jerking off to. <laughs> you know what I, I think mean? you're right. I think, I think yeah, that's like, why yeah, I mean, it's like so you we've created the almost the nightmare scenario of that author where you instead of Carl Sagan you have a dumb jock you know like, why can't we need to have Carl Sagan have a podcast or someone like that who can pontificate on really important things rather yeah. than on you know his next roid cycle or whatever yeah. I think I think you're right I think that brings us back to like it, it rounds this out nicely as a chat but I think it also brings it back to kind of what we were saying at the very beginning of the importance of like like you're saying the importance of sitting down and having that conversation and the importance of physical things and creating and pushing back mm-hmm. like every act of pushing back is valuable and I think yeah exactly. it, it, it's 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 where we're at you know, we went as far yeah. as we could with short form content now. Yeah, I, I, I leave anti-war stickers anonymously all over town. <laughs> it's, yeah. it, you've got to find a way, you know, you've you got to find a way to back. get that message out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it may be on their bong, but at least they see it. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> the <stickers> has <laughs> spat in a beef burger and handed it to someone at some point. Like, you got to rebel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, well, we're man, noting, you know, poisoning food. Yeah, no shit. One more question before you run yeah, out. Yeah. Of okay. um, so it's it's you know final question because I'm asking everybody is is uh, who should I talk to next? Oh, I thought about that a lot. Oh no, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about it for the podcast. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't talk to many people. <laughs> Paul, maybe is the only guy I really talk to. Um, I'm trying to think. I wanted to do someone completely different. I, I don't know who who who. What type of guest do you usually talk to? I will talk to anybody. Is it pretty so random? Because the because the guest picks the topic, I'm willing to talk to anyone. And like, you, you could pick someone like quite big and i will try to contact them or you can pick someone small yeah, and I'll try yeah. to talk to them. but I'll, I'll talk about anything i'll talk about ghosts gardening pizza whatever. <laughs> i don't know like i i would say there's there's one person i would want to interview just more as a joke in a way or like a there's a guy named perry caravello <laughs> do you know who that is no. <laughs> okay well he's uh he does a a stream called um uh Perry Caravella Live. And he's he's pretty much a lol cow. 
but he's like the first lol cow. He's the first guy that like people have been trolling this dude for like three decades. <laughs> and I've always wanted to try and do an interview with just him. I think I always thought that would be fascinating. Him or Patrick Melton <laughs> from Nobody Likes Onions. <laughs> Because <laughs> these are all people that talk about other people, but they don't talk much about themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. Patrick Melton would be great because he does like five hour streams talking about complete and total nonsense. <laughs> and like, but you don't, I don't know much about him as a person. I know he's married and he seems like a, you know, he was a stand up comic and now he does like, you know what you'd call him like shithead streams on YouTube where he just he talks about other shithead podcasters and they're all kind of like angry and losers. Uh Kevin Brennan's part of the the group he's with. I don't know. They're like they're kind of washed up New York comics and, and Patrick well, kind of makes fun of all of them. <laughs> so I don't know. I just I think he would be just the weirdest like out there interview. Maybe Patrick or Perry, because they're both very they are who they are. Like Perry's Perry and Patrick's Patrick. <laughs> Patrick would probably do it. <laughs> yeah. I know. But he would be one. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> we'll see how the other we'll ones see. are like gutter punks. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> you <know. laughs> Here's your drop cell phone. You've got 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that would be cool. I don't think yeah. anyone's yeah. ever interviewed him as like a lot of people don't interview podcasters you know what i mean like they don't interview other yeah you don't see that much i think he'd be a good one he seems pretty level-headed and kind of funny (laughs) yeah cool hey thanks for doing this yeah 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 thanks all right yeah yeah and we'll uh we'll go find the ai machine in our own ways and uh sounds good i'll keep painting my anti-robot paintings (laughs) yeah Have a good night, man. All right. We'll talk to these guys later. Bye.